Hey there, and welcome to episode number two of the podcast formerly known as the Toddzilla X-Pod. This is the Escaping the Cave podcast on the Christopher Media Network, ChristopherMedia.net. Hi there, I'm Todd. Well, tonight, as I record this, January 30th, 2018, is Donald Trump's State of the Union address. Starts here in a couple hours, not 100% sure I'm going to listen to it. If I do, I may add something to the end of it, but... Since it is State of the Union Day, I decided that I would pull a couple of strings. If you listen to the old podcast, you know, Jesus, friend of the show. So what I did was I had him uh, sort of arrange things so we could have a celebrity fluffing directly from heaven that sort of ties in to Donald Trump and tonight's State of the Union. So let's join the uh, live broadcast from heaven already in progress. Enjoy it. And I think... I think Americans really show their ignorance when they say they want their politicians to be honest. What are these fucking cretins talking about? If honesty were suddenly introduced into American life, the whole system would collapse. No one would know what to do. Honesty would fuck this country up. And I think deep down Americans know that. That's why they elected and re-elected Bill Clinton. You betcha. You betcha. Yeah, because the American people like their bullshit right out front where they can get a good, strong whiff of it. Clinton might be full of shit, but at least he lets you know it. Doesn't he? Dole tried to hide it, didn't he? Dole kept saying, I'm a plain and honest man. Bullshit. People don't believe that. What did Clinton say? He said, hi, folks, I'm completely full of shit, and how do you like that? And the people said, you know something? At least he's honest. At least he's honest about being completely full of shit. It's just like the business world, same as business. Everybody knows by now, all businessmen, completely full of shit. Just the worst kind of low-life criminal cocksuckers you could ever want to run into. A fucking piece of shit businessman. And the proof of it is, the proof of it is, they don't even trust each other. They don't trust one another. When a businessman sits down to negotiate a deal, the first thing he does is to automatically assume that the other guy is a complete lying prick who's trying to fuck him out of his money. So he's got to do everything he can to fuck the other guy a little bit faster and a little bit harder. And he's got to do it with a big smile on his face. You know that big bullshit businessman smile? And if you're a customer, wow, that's when you get the really big smile. Customer always gets that really big smile as the businessman carefully positions himself directly behind the customer and unzips his pants and proceeds to service the account. I'm servicing this account. This customer needs service. Now you know what they mean. Now you know what they mean when they say, we specialize in customer service. Whoever coined the phrase, let the buyer beware, was probably bleeding from the asshole. But that's business. That's business. But in the bullshit department, in the bullshit department, a businessman can't hold a candle to a clergyman. Because I got to tell you the truth, folks. I got to tell you the truth. When it comes to bullshit, big time, major league bullshit, you have to stand in awe. In awe of the all-time champion of false promises and exaggerated claims, religion. No contest. No contest. 
Religion. Religion easily has the greatest bullshit story ever told. Think about it. Religion has actually convinced people that there's an invisible man living in the sky who watches everything you do every minute of every day. And the invisible man has a special list of 10 things he does not want you to do. And if you do any of these 10 things, he has a special place full of fire and smoke and burning and torture and anguish where he will send you to live and suffer and burn and choke and scream and cry forever and ever till the end of time. But he loves you. He loves you. He loves you and he needs money. He always needs money. He's all powerful, all perfect, all knowing and all wise. Somehow, just can't handle money. Religion takes in billions of dollars, they pay no taxes, and they always need a little more. Now, you talk about a good bullshit story. Holy shit. Thank you. A rousing ovation. Mr. Carlin up there in heaven right now. That is a, uh, an audience actually full of apostles. There's been hundreds and hundreds of thousands of them. Did you know that? That was sort of a uh, special VIP invite only. You had to have a uh, golden invitation, golden engraved invitation from Jesus in order to get in. But since it's heaven, no money. It was free. Thank you, Mr. Carlin. I appreciate it. Hope things are well up there. It is the uh, podcast formerly known as the Tonzilla X-Pod, the Escaping the Cave podcast, episode number two, recording this one. On uh, Tuesday, January 30th, tonight is Mr. Trump's State of the Union. Oh, this should be good. I fully intend on breaking my cable television fast this evening and uh, watching this rhetorical abortion that it's bound to be. (laughs) It should be great. Got a lot of things lined up today. Uh, actually, it was sort of inspired by the State of the Union. If you saw the title, it's going to be, uh, I think, called, unless I change my I tend to change my mind on these things. I, I, I renamed the initial podcast three times before I settled on He Is Risen. I love that. It's my resurrection podcast. I had other ideas for it as well. But this one I think I'm going to call State of Disunion. The State of Disunion. See, it's hip. State of, uh, you get it, disunion? Yeah, state of disunion's bad. State of disunion. Di- are you with me here? I don't understand. I can't tell if I'm if my jokes come across. Also going to uh, get into something very significant as far as that goes. Um, the Talking Dead. We're going someplace in a big way, kids. All this shit's connected. It's all connected in a really, really, really big way. I'm setting a foundation. I'm laying the foundation for this podcast to move forward. And uh, since it is Tuesday, I don't have much else to talk about here. I really don't. I just uploaded my first podcast 12 hours ago. Now, 15 hours ago. 
And it's not posted yet. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, Chris. You're usually pretty fast about that stuff. Uh, but I've already started the second one. So you're going to get a couple of them this week. And I really wanted to get something out there uh, having to do with the State of the Union. Because the last year has been trying. It's been very difficult. Donald Trump is not making this easy on me, man. I'm trying to remain, I'm trying to get back to this sort of baseline of political unaffiliation. And the man is making it hard. Do you know what ideological drift is? Have I ever mentioned, I'm sure I've never mentioned that. It's uh, sort of a new idea. Basically, what that means is you hate someone so much, you can't stand their very existence politically. So you start aligning yourself with other people who hate him. His opponents. The enemy of my enemy. It's kind of my friend. That's a really dangerous track to run down. If you cannot separate the two, and I'm sorry, most of you, I don't think you can. I've seen some really smart people who hate Donald Trump, hate everything he stands for. Who come from maybe a libertarian background. Not even really full-fledged Republican, just leave me the fuck alone background. And within a few months of railing against Trump and sort of um, insulating themselves inside the anti-Trump media, they become liberals. They don't think they have. They think they're still libertarians. Ah, but they're not. As they slowly start to indoctrinate themselves into the liberal doctrine ideological drift. I think a lot of thing I think that happened to a lot of people on the other side as well with Barack Obama and maybe sort of a backlash against you batshit hippies. Political correctness and radical militant feminism. A lot of people got sick and tired of being told that their dicks, their white dicks, their white heterosexual pussy loving dicks made them a bad, dirty boy, and we are the problem with the entire world. So what what happened? Well, I'm not going to line myself with that. The only other option, I guess, is over here. I'll go take a look at this. And all of a sudden, you got tea bags hanging from your hat. I think that happened a lot. I understand it. I'm trying very hard because I'm in my... I've, I've turned my attention, as I said in the last podcast, I've turned it away I wouldn't say a way, but my primary focus these days is not the Tea Party, not the Freedom Caucus, not even Donald Trump. It's you liberals, you batshit, missionary, preaching, crusading, save or kill the heathens, one of the two, they're going to be liberals, they're going to die, they're going to be culturally excommunicated, that kind of thing. That's where my focus is, so I'm trying very hard to balance that with being sucked into batshit conservatism now. I think I'm doing a pretty good job. Oh, but you're bitching more about liberals than you're bitching about Donald Trump, Todd. Screw you. It's not fair. What about the fairness doctrine? What about equal time? I know where you can get a microphone. I can give you the equipment list you'll need if you want to start a podcast of your own. Shut up. I can feel you thinking it. I am Tonstradamus. I have these connections to places like Jesus and George Carlin and heaven. I can hear you. 
me. But it's not fair. Shut up. Just shut the fuck up. I hear you. I know you're there. Anyway. So, yeah, today. I've got a bunch of stuff here. I got a bunch of stuff here that's been uh, sort of sitting on ice. Let's get to it right now, shall we? The way back took us way back instantly. We are officially tribalized. The internet was supposed to bring us together. It was supposed to connect the world into one big global community. But people don't want that, do they? They don't want one big global community. They want to congregate and huddle with their own kind. Yeah, you too, hippies. Yeah, you're all about diversity and tolerance. I know, I know, as long as the others are nodding along to your adopted points of view. Have you ever tried to challenge a liberal on feminist, gay, or political correctness doctrine? (laughs) So that's tolerance, huh? (laughs) That's one area where I'm very, very happy to agree with just about every conservative. Dogmatic liberals are as intolerant as the saggiest teabagger. It's a fact. They're nowhere near as racially intolerant, but they're definitely just as intellectually intolerant as any conservative. America, collectively, you are not interested in facts, let alone objective news. Not in the real sense you're not. You're so used to being catered to that you now expect your news to be politically and ideologically personalized. Egocentrically supersized. (laughs) Very few of you are intellectually flexible enough to objectively look at information, new or otherwise, and then reevaluate your monolithic opinions and views. I've begun to wonder if it's even in our nature, whether there's something that's in our DNA that's wired to simply protect our personal tribe at all costs. Something that manifests itself through nationalism, ideology, race, religion. Something that leads us to engineer and rationalize any and all personal conclusions backwards from a tribalized groupthink point of view. Sure seems that way to me. Now, if that's the case, the internet and its ability to instantly connect us with millions of others in our own little tribes may indeed be the end of that silly utopian idea of peace. You know, I've long since held the thought in my head that, as Bill Hicks put it, we're a clever virus with shoes. Uh, The humanovirus may finally have the ability to intellectually isolate and strengthen its various strains to wage war against itself eradicate itself. Sort of like cancer cells attacking healthy cells, you know? But but who among us are the healthy ones? Every group thinks they are. Every single one. Christians, Muslims, liberals, conservatives, environmentalists, climate change deniers. Everybody. They all think that they are the healthy ones. They all think they are right. Everyone else, the outlanders, well, they, they, they're the ones that are the cancer. As I mentioned earlier, every tyrannical, Stalin-esque mass murderer throughout history thought he was the antibody attacking the social disease, right? Hitler's cancer was the Jews. Yeah, nothing's changed. Islam's cancer is Christianity, uppity women and infidels of all kinds. Christianity has gays, atheists, abortionists, and Muslims. Capitalists have socialists and communists, right? The takers. Communists have the fascists. The fascists have the communists, the Bolsheviks, and whoever the fuck they feel is attacking their national heritage this week. 
Think about it. There are millions and millions among us right now who are willing to sacrifice the planet, the fucking planet to the almighty dollar. Those among us who will look the other way at oil companies paying climate change academics, people studying climate change, the oil companies are paying them to come up with agreeable conclusions, affecting critical policy changes that, unless undertaken, actually threaten the fucking planet, simply because looking the other way supports their ideology, their tribe. We're most certainly a creative, industrious, inventive, yet conflicted species, aren't we? We're capable of love, but inclined toward killing. And sadly, despite any overly optimistic moonbeamers proclamations that a new dawn is coming, uh, there's no indication that our better nature will prevail. None. And in fact, there's considerable evidence to the contrary. We're all connected now, fuckos. It's time to choose sides, isn't it? Pick your echo chamber and work hard to learn why you're supposed to hate your enemies. Me and a few others, we're going to be out here watching your self-righteous shithouse fall. Hoping either the mothership or the asteroid arrives soon before you kill us and every other fucking species on the planet. Our species is failing. I'm afraid that it's destined to be little more than a galactic footnote. Another extinct, destructive, cancerous mutation. Something that vanished on the evolutionary cul-de-sac. Yep, that's me. Three years ago. October or November of 2014. It's the Slithering Podcast, Slithering Fascism Podcast. I had it uh, titled Tribal Warfare, <clears throat> excuse me, back in the day. And uh, you're going to be hearing a lot of that. Chris loves it when I bring that thing up, by the way. Podcast Chris, he loves it when I call myself Tonstradamus. But I'll tell you what, sorry, that thing's dead on. Dead on. And, you know, I'm afraid it's even gotten a lot worse. And what really gets me these days, I understand turning yourself into sort of mm, a special interest agent for your own demographic. You know what I mean? Advocating for yourself. I, I understand that to a degree. Sort of natural. But what I don't understand is when the special interests have taken such control, these personal special interests. We're talking about identity politics here, okay? I just like to think of it as a special interest group. If you're advocating for, for one specific micro-demographic, you are a lobbyist, a cultural lobbyist engaging in advocating for a special interest. What I don't understand is how out of the other side of your mouth, some of you, can talk about unity. The two are mutually exclusive. I am so sorry to tell you that. You can't advocate for one group, specially, specifically, and still talk about unifying under the guise of equality. Advocating for a special interest is mutually exclusive with equality. You can't do it. I'm telling you what, if you can, that line you're walking, that tightrope is about the size of dental floss. 
And I'm sorry, I haven't seen any of you yet. Especially you Uncle Toms. You penis to Uncle Toms. Who have been able to pull that stunt off. Some incredible gymnastics required there, buddy. You can't do it. Dunning-Kruger in gymnastics class, baby. You know, unity uh, through division. To get back to the original point that I just put this thing in here for. Rhetorically disguised tribalism on parade, baby. And what it's doing is subversively releasing the kraken of human duality. This is the parable of Krishna's battlefield, if you're familiar with Eastern philosophy. It's also parable of revelations, the egocentrically externalized God-devil concepts, several interpretations of the same exact message. None of this was ever prophecy. I see this as the inevitable, written as digestible mythology. Probably part of the, the bloody evolutionary process needed to determine the course of a species divided and fueled by an infantile sense of self-awareness, the ego and its toddler-like perception that the world revolves around it. Self-interest, special interest, with me? And disguised self-supremacy. The antithesis of equality. Never is this on display more than when you hear a feminist talking about how white men have ruined the earth and how all we need is a vaginaed candidate to win the election and make everything okay. Got some more on that coming soon. You know, a problem among many with theology, tribalized religion, and now this uh, now scriptured and increasingly fundamentalist holy ideology, the bilateral kind, is that in order to infuse or lure it's faithful with what I call sausage party hope. They presume to put their sect on the side of unquestioning right. When in reality, the very term itself is corrupt. It's bastardized by half-blind binary perception. In fact, the evolutionary outcome will have absolutely nothing, nothing to do with any childishly monolithic and barbaric concepts of right talking the evolutionary outcome of the duality, the split down the middle of humanity. Notions of good, especially those personally defined from a selfish center of the universe perspective, they don't always prevail, and thank God. Hey, Mr. Hitler, Mr. Stalin, what say you? Say you, Hillary. And by the way, Hillary, that was rhetorical. And this vision that she's sitting there with like this Super high-tech NSA radar that any time anybody mentions her name. Huh? What? She's probably running off to write a book at this very moment in response to that. Don't. Please, Hillary, go away. <sighs> you know, I've kind of become, in the last year or so, actually a lot longer now, I'm not going to get into all this, but I really identify with some parts of transcendentalism. Natural law. But if you want to see God, go to the woods. In nature, it's messy. It's messy, bitches. It has no concept. Nor will it bother with your petty, clouded, and egocentric de definitions of good and evil. 
you know, plenty of colorful, peacefully grazing breeds have been rendered extinct by Darwin's brutality. Looking at you, hippies. You want your pacifier of hope? Need your sausage party hope? Read the bedtime stories put forth as mythology and quit embarrassing yourselves. Embarrassing yourselves with these ridiculous proclamations of supposed equality and unity. Oh, and shut the fuck up about coming together, please. Until you're part of the solution, it don't actually mean, hey, let's conquer and impose our beliefs on these barbarians. Crusaders, read your history. Doesn't end well. That's tyranny. The literal textbook definition of it. You know, I saw this thing on uh, PBS six months ago, maybe. Uh, it was a Vietnam documentary. They were interviewing a guy who was in charge of like a platoon over there in Vietnam. And the one thing, I mean, he, he had seen a lot of death. He saw a lot of things happening over there in that war, man. And you know, the one thing, and this is his words, he said, the one thing that I took out of my experience in Vietnam is that the veneer of civilization is very, very, very thin. We're only conditioned and lightly conditioned to keep from engaging in literal tribal warfare. Main thought brought home by a Vietnam commander. Thin indeed. And this is why I tell a lot of people, I've used this phrase a lot, winter is coming. Game of Thrones fans, winter is coming. Not just because the snow's flying. Uh-uh. Whether you choose to believe or are ready for it or not, winter is coming. I'm wholly, wholly unequipped to offer any symbolic rhetorical tits to virtual playgrounds of wailing children either. Yeah, I know. You have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about, right? That's okay. You will. Trust me. Yes, yes, we are the guardians of freedom. I believe in freedom. We are the guardians of freedom. A new world order. Imagining a bunch of you out there hearing the ministry tune and think, oh, finally, he's going to go after the Tea Party and Trump and all these other conservative folks. You're wrong. Wrong again. <laughs> oh, no. 
You know, I said in the last segment, or in the opening of that, from the old podcast, that the internet was supposed to bring us all together, right? Uh, supposed to bring us together by giving everyone a voice, an equal standing, and the ability to uh, be heard without gatekeepers. Everyone's opinion would be democratized, and that would be a glorious occurrence. Kumbaya, motherfuckers. Woo, yes. Oh, unity. A global citizenry. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's a stupid idea that failed miserably. Rather than using this tool, we're using it right now to bring ourselves together. It released the id. Became a haven for escapism, porn, and most importantly, the means in which we congregated inside little echo chambers and retribalized ourselves as ideological cells burrowed within the collective culture. At some point, these tribal echo chambers became virtual mobs, holding smartphones rather than pitchforks. Once secured inside, often slowly due to an ideological drift that I mentioned earlier, triggered by thoughts that the enemy of my enemy is my friend, typical mob groupthink takes over. Of course it does. These are closed intellectual ecosystems dependent upon insular rhetoric and opinion. You challenge the screaming mob, you're going to be attacked, verbally beaten, much the same way a socialist would have been bloodied outside the beer halls by brown shirts. Once inside, engaged in the mob mentality and, you know, the, the warm glow of comfortable and safe tribal unity, where all opinions echo and support the rest, these opinions come to be seen as something else. They become matters of right and wrong. Not opinions anymore. Then as the mob congeals into sort of an incestuous ideological congregation, the doctrine takes life. And right and wrong quickly becomes good versus evil. Us versus them. Where the other is trying to engage in a hostile takeover of your country. It's not yours, fuckers. You don't own it. You don't have a title and deed to the United States just simply because you see yourself as right and them wrong. It's not your country to take back from anyone. But that's not how you see it. None of these ideological tribes see it that way. It becomes patriots versus traitors, right? Ideology has transformed into a secular religion. Even a cult. And how hard is it to dehumanize those your adopted doctrine and religion have deemed evil? Not hard at all. Take a trip around cyberspace. You'll see it every day. You know, I uh, talked about this closed group. I mentioned it in the last podcast. Opened this thing up about a year ago, a little over that, and invited some people in that I thought were sensible. And most of them were. A couple of cases, however formerly sensible folks who I thought resided in the middle of this left-right spectrum. Slowly, some more quickly than others, but they slowly transformed into something completely different. They had, they had obviously radicalized themselves and come to see Trump voters, specifically, as evil. Bad, just bad people. If you could vote for Donald Trump, you are a bad person. 
I posed the question shortly before I left for Peru. I asked, can anyone who voted for Donald Trump in your eyes, radicalized liberal, can they be seen still as a good human being? I got all sorts of answers. None involved the word yes. I was astounded. I mean, the mental gymnastics and the rhetorical gymnastics put forth to rationalize that because they, they kind of got an idea where I was going with it, but they couldn't bring themselves to say it. They could not bring themselves to say, yeah, this guy voted for Trump. He's a good guy. No, he's got to be a racist. He's got to be stupid. He's got to be inbred. Looking redneck. Could not be seen or at least identified specifically as a good person. And here's the thing. Now, here's your, your little green tea leaf, hippie. You could ask the same thing. Is anyone who voted for Hillary, could anyone who voted for Hillary, could they be considered a good person? You could ask that question in some of the far-right groups, like Patriot Nation or any of these folks that uh, are rabidly into these groups. You went in there. And you asked them, anybody, can, is any, could, could anybody who voted for either Hillary or Bernie be considered a good person? I think you would probably get a similar response from the other side of the spectrum. That's troubling. That's dehumanization. Where your beliefs are evil. You're good. Their beliefs are evil. Good and bad. Right and wrong. These aren't opinions anymore. Those days are gone, my friends. The opinion, the holy opinion, the word opinion doesn't have any meaning anymore. Now it's right and wrong. And like I said, when opinion goes from right to wrong and becomes good versus evil, it's very easy and simple for the, uh, remember I mentioned the veneer of civilization? It's very easy for that to wear off. Now, this is how people can join the military and justify to themselves running off to some country that never attacked us, never did anything to us, and killing citizens. Because they're not human anymore. They're not Americans. They're the bad guys. They've been dehumanized. This is a problem. I suggest that a lot of you Sit down and think about the veneer of civilization, how thin it really is. The examples are everywhere. Not hard to find at all. And there are more similarities here. (laughs) Uh, Beyond, you know, the infallible doctrine uh, between politics, ideology, and religion, both political cults and run-of-the-mill religion, standard religion, require the faithful to financially support them. But you got to send money. you gotta, you got to support your candidates. Send me money. Each have supposed apostles preaching the good word. In 2016, Democrats had the Apostle Bernie, the Apostoless Hillary. Republicans, many of them, mostly evangelicals, actually think, literally think, Donald fucking Trump was sent by God. Literally, they believe this, lots of them, to deliver America from evil. 
Trump. Trump, Mr. Pussy Grabber. <laughs> yeah, he was sent by God. What kind of God is this? Uh, I have a direct line, and uh, Jesus assures me that his dad didn't send Trump. It's almost ridiculous, though, as the feminist lefties preaching that Hillary's mystical vagina was here to save us in 2016. As if her labia would be dictating policy and her crusted clitoris would be delivering tonight's State of the Union speech had she been elected. <laughs> Hyperbole? Yeah, maybe. But not quite as much as you probably think. What is that? The Pussiah? Yeah, that's what we'll call it. The Pussiah. The Pussiah. <laughs> the Holy badge. Yee. Get that image out of my head. Some things you can't unsee. Furthermore, each of these religions, the political kind, have their own 700 club-styled propaganda network preaching the economically uh, tailored word to the faithful. Today's Jim Baker is Sean Hannity. Tammy Faye, well, she cut her hair and now she's an MSNBC lesbian. Who was the guy in the 80s? I've been trying to think of his name. It's not Jim Baker. Another dude that went on TV. I stand against Jesus. <laughs> Remember the, the televangelist guy? Yeah. This guy reminds me of uh, Glenn Beck. I have some stuff on Beck later. Maybe not this show, the next one. But like most religions, these political cults have also convinced the most rabid among them that they, specifically, are agents sent to recruit for the cause, for the doctrine. Spread the word. Lefties call it progressive grassroots activism. It's simple missionary work. You're spreading the doctrine, saving the savages. And if they can't be saved, you know, you're damning them to cultural hell. Fuck them. It's with these fuckers in particular that I take the same attitude I take with uh, overly aggressive evangelicals. Believe whatever you want, Moonbeam. Okay? Quit waving your holy political cross in my face. Stop it. Stop it now. Get the fuck away from me. The parallel between religions and ideological fanatics is staggering. And today, the ones acting like the convert-or-die crusaders are on the left. Sorry. I mean, think about this for a second. The lefties, the ones who complain about religion, typically, getting religion out of politics, which I agree with. But they even have their own little sort of uh, dogmatic issues, ones seemingly sent from the liberal god. Religious nuts, you know how they have abortion and silly shit like saying Merry Christmas? Liberal nut jobs, you've got your own uh, blasphemous speech crime. Of course, it's euphemistically hidden inside of things like political correctness and gender fluidity and 600 personal pronouns. You can't say that. It's blasphemous against the doctrine. Like saying goddamn in church. It's the same reaction you get. If I were to use the word faggot... Not even talking about a gay person. It's a great word, by the way, faggot. It is. Sorry. But I ever say that in front of a liberal. A liberal evangelical. You'd think that I just shit on their plate at lunch. Oh my god. I can't yell that word. I can't yell that word. You can't. I like. Uh, 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 
apoplectic. They go into convulsions. I've seen it. Try it. You'll say faggot in front of your liberal friend. It's blasphemy. It's the same fucking thing. Remember sticks and stones? Not anymore. No. Word faggot will melt a snowflake, apparently. Beyond that, though, what's more serious is that these warring religions, okay, they're starting to resemble, they're starting to make the country, anyway, resemble the Middle East. Mentioned this in the other podcast. With no sense of even basic, common, factual language, okay, on which to even begin a peace process, you can't have a conversation now between these two mobs, these two congregations. It's like putting Jewish fundamentalists in front of ISIS. There is no common ground to be found. They hate each other. That's where we're at. Now, I've spent a long time raging against the Tea Party and far-right extremism. Started with me after the Iraq War. Uh, once I saw the march up to that after 9-11, I was in New York City in 2003 just before that war. I have videotape of that protest. That's going to be 15 years ago in March. That's how long I've been uh, rampaging against the far right. But now, as I said earlier, my focus has been split. I'm no longer dwelling solely on Trump's fascism. It's not Trump's fascism. Trump's a manifestation of it. Trump was made possible by the attitudes that preceded him. He was also made possible by you liberals. I know you don't want to hear that. It's okay. Your ears aren't going to bleed. I don't think there's even going to be any snot coming out of your nose when I'm done. Well, maybe a little bit. But you folks, imposing your liberal beliefs, you know, creating the world that should be, no, we should this, and we should that, and the world should this, and the world should that, blah, 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 blah. Go, go back and listen to the first podcast, and the, the one I just did uh, earlier this week, and listen to the Lenny Bruce piece. The truth is what is. What should be is a fantasy. Someone gave the people long, long ago. And the people were forced to measure up to that and couldn't. That's what you're dealing with when you say, well, the world should be this way. It's, it, it goes all the way back to around the time of Marxism, I do believe. Utopia. Utopia doesn't work. Same as communism didn't work. It's great on paper. It doesn't factor in human nature. And what happens when you put human beings in charge of a system like that? Duh. And, and beyond that, creating the world that should be, that you think should be, Sorry, Moonbeam. It's not your unilateral choice to make. You understand that? There's half the population that doesn't share your utopian vision. From light bulbs to 600 gender-specific pronouns to gun control to thought-slash-speech control all the way up to a borderless planet full of world citizens. <laughs> If you presume to impose that vision on half the country, you fuckers are the would-be tyrants. Do you understand that? Do you have any concept of that? No, you don't. 
because you're doing God's work. God in parentheses, or in quotes. And if you're engaging in tyranny, you are by definition the enemy of freedom. And if that's the case, you already have 150 or so million enemies right now. And the further you collectively radicalize, the more you make every single day, including me, gluten-free. Did you hear that? Did it sink in? Is this sinking in anywhere? Or am I just preaching to the choir here? <laughs> the choir's getting smaller every day. I can feel it. Click, 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 click. Oh, my God. I, my ears, I can't handle it. <laughs> Ultimately, you're going to have to come and uh, take the country by force, hippies. If you want it. If you really, really, really want to take the country. I'm not going to say back because it's not yours. But if you really want to come and take the country, come and get it, fuckers. You're going to have to do it by force. You got the stomach for fighting that war? Let me ask it again. You got the stomach for fighting that war? Unarmed? Mr. Anti-Second Amendment? Mr. I hate guns? Guns are bad. How are you going to do that? you going to do that against 300 million plus firearms? Or are you going to come take them? How's that going to work? You're going to send your kids to my buddy Chad's house and take all his guns? They're going to be your kids that go door to door taking all these guns from people who don't want to give them up? Who think that they're entitled to them because of the Second Amendment? How is that going to work? You going to be out front, fucker? No. Who is? Good luck. Or maybe you think good vibes and hugs and little tofu treats. Maybe that'll soothe the emotions and bring the conservative barbarians under your spell. <laughs> Maybe all that'll help you win hearts and minds, huh? Think it through, boys and girls. Or whatever pronoun I'm supposed to use here. Think it through real hard. Ahorre, no compre sin visitar en Pori. No, how fast we can go. Larry on. Why? These are the facts as we know them. There is an epidemic of mass murder being committed by a virtual army of unidentified assassins. Noticing a theme here. I couldn't do this in radio, man. Let's do one more verse, huh? Me, yeah, yeah. 
you even hear that edit? No, you didn't. Smooth as glass, man. That's how I made my money once upon a time. Ozzy from No More Tears and uh, uh, a very apt tune for this segment. One that I have been looking forward to doing a really, really long time. Zombie Stomp to the Talking Dead. That's what this one's called. As you can probably figure it out, I've probably figured out from the beginning of this segment, has a lot to do with uh, our star-spangled zombies. And they're all over. Ties directly into the previous segment, the ideological religion segment. There's another step, my friends, that people take. When they're involved in mobs, something else happens. They take another de-evolutionary step into zombieism. Let's start at the beginning with this, though. Because uh, by nature, all right, the mind dies in solitary confinement. It needs the exchange of social, existential, and intellectual energy to thrive. It's part of our fundamental DNA, and without interaction and in a primal sense of both emotional and physical belonging, our sanity breaks down. There's a reason solitary is considered death-free capital punishment in prison. It's the equivalent of psychological torture. It probably is cruel and unusual punishment. The sharing of experience, perspective, and thought in an effort to move closer to truth. Truth? Don't get me started on that, man. In an effort to move closer to truth has driven not only society, but our collective evolution in general. It's part of the idea behind the heroic epic and Plato's returns. All this stuff goes back thousands and thousands of years. Therefore, it's not only counterintuitive, but counterproductive to the species to hoard insights and well-thought-out original ideas, key, based on personal experience and perspective. Uh, sharing an accurate and clearly articulated description of our unique sliver of perspective. It's not your personal fucking truth. It's a perspective. And that contributes to a better uh, overall interpretation of the, map, uh, the, map, uh, of the massive tapestry, and there's the word, of reality and truth that we all Share. Perspective, truth, different things. Sliver of perspective is not a reality. That's why we have different words for these things. Anyway, unique is the key. Offering something new. In contemporary talk, this is the distinction between a virtual and organic life. Living online, living in the real world. Organic intercourse with the physical world bears the healthiest offspring and is diametrically opposed to the retarded and deformed gargoyles birthed via insemination by virtual exposure to the matrix or cheap orthodoxy and doctrine. Are you staying with me here? Because they, those things right there, are the tyrants of our collective mind. Dining upon second-hand agenda-powered perspectives marketed as an all-encompassing truth to determine your detached worldview, wire the schema, is much more than lazy, uncritical thinking, my friends. It's a surrender of the authentic and autonomous self, an abandonment of personalized identity, and it contributes to the stunted and even regressive retardation of the collective species. Sound familiar? <sighs> you know... <laughs> I should have probably advertised this because research shows that 
in 2018 for wildly different ideological reasons. Uh, the sooner someone invokes Adolf Hitler, the more often people will consume it. So here it is. Are you ready? Here comes your Hitler. Zig <laughs> Heil. While he was in prison, one of the books most influencing Uncle Adolf was uh, Freud's work on the group mind, through which uh, Hitler learned a great deal about manipulating mob stupidity. Uh, Freud's work, in turn, was largely based on Gustave Le Bon's The Crowd. Old book, 100 years old, and I could cut and paste half of it into this uh, monologue. It's a classic book. I have better things to do than read to you today. The book is short. You can get it on Google Books for free. Read it. For the love of God, please put forth the effort to cut through the language. You can do it. I believe in you. I do. I believe in you, Todd Zillophiles. I do. Come on, don't disappoint me. <sighs> Something sinister, though, happens sometimes when intellect, active thought, and the human need to belong to a tribe is surrendered to the mob. Mobs annihilate the individual, turning them into cells of a larger, sure, but infinitely, infinitely less intelligent, thus more aggressive and dangerous new organism. With the surrender of cognitive autonomy, the process of sharing companionship, experience, and ideas, it mutates into something far different. These pitchforked mobs resembling the most barbaric of ancient tribes. Uh, it helps explain how German pediatricians, this is true, man, men who were otherwise decent, upstanding citizens, part of the community, decent human beings, how they could work as concentration camp doctors, doctors in quotes, and then go home at the end of the day content that they had done, again in quotes, God's work. Group mind, mob mentality, group think, surrendering the autonomy of mind to a far larger yet far less intelligent organism. Once given over to collectively dogmatic cognition, uh, the individual becomes, at its essence, a pulsed zombie, a creature engaged in no thought of its own. His brain stops functioning as a mind and becomes a reactionary reflex machine, instinctively groaning the mob's drones of brains. Or today, I'm outraged. Liberals bad. Trump voters racist. Outrage. Outrage. Make America great again. <coughs> Sorry about that. I wish zombies could cough, even though we could identify them. Uh, anyway, each cognitive reflex remotely triggered by a devices of convenience that we pay for, our phones, our laptops, our internet connections. Uh, that brings me to uh, what's become probably a familiar topic. This, Tonzilla Files, is an initial... Just an initial dissection of the social media disease. Uh, with the virus floating freely inside countless sealed echo chambers where dehumanizing the enemy is the game of choice. It's no longer required. This is key. No longer required for individuals to physically congregate in order to descend into mob mentality zombieism. They don't have to get together anymore. You can do it from your couch in your dirty, filthy underwear. 
And you do. Some of you are probably on the couch in your underwear right now. Are you a zombie? Hmm? 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 Come on, cough for me. Turn your head and cough. <laughs> Internet has become the virus uh, delivery system. The means by which an external entity can invade anyone's home, anyone's, to hijack, then remotely control their mind. It's what's happening. Fine, you don't like the overused zombie metaphor? Well, I think it's beautiful, but fine. I'll play along. Let's use one unique to at least probably this century. In many ways, these doctrines, dogmas, and orthodoxies deactivate the thought process in much the same way computer viruses remotely hijack your laptop. Once the ideological Trojan horse has extracted itself into and corrupted your neural net, you're effectively lobotomized, effectively assimilated into the cyber mob while someone else controls your operating system. You're, lo you're no longer in control of your machines, your minds function. <sighs> now, some security systems are much better than others. Some proverbial firewalls are more, more sophisticated. But no one's naturally immune, and I don't have to look any further than myself for the example. I referred to it earlier today as ideological drift. But a Trojan horse methodically extracting itself into my operating system feels a, a bit more accurate. That feels more like what happened. It occurred over the course of several years as I slowly but steadily assimilated to the lazy notion that the enemy of my enemy is my friend. I hate the teabaggers. Therefore, liberals are my friends. I cannot believe we elected Donald Trump. They hate Trump. Therefore, they're my friends. That was wrong. In my disgust, first for teabaggery and then Trump, I slowly allowed the radicalizing left to take control of cognition and perception. I think I mentioned this in the uh, podcast yesterday, but uh, another friend actually, and accidentally, triggered the metaphorical virus scan back in March. And uh, suffice it to say, it found a lot of threats. The first was a vast collection of liberal propaganda outlets farting themselves into my Facebook feed every minute. Next, it was MSNBC's supposed lesbian Edward R. Murrow, Rachel Meadow. And she required extraction, and eventually each of the amateur liberal propaganda parrots who were loitering inside my friends list, they went away as well. And I came to see each of them as delivering remote commands issued by someone inside a hovering dogma mothership. Brains, brains must deliver talking points. Now, since then, I've been pretty, pretty much able to uh, quarantine and then root all of this out. Yes, many liberal and conservative mob butts were hurt in the process. I understand firsthand how alluring it can be to place yourself at the center of a tribe, seeing itself as defending the homeland from the dehumanized barbarian Auslanders looking to ideologically rape and pillage. I get that. I do. It gives one a sense of self-righteous supremacy, just as it does within actual physical, living, breathing, organic mobs. No one frothing at the mouth inside Hitler's beer halls or beating their opponents in the street thought they were anything but right. They didn't think they were bad people like you think they're bad people. They thought they were on the right side of history and God's law. What's most difficult is not the seeing, though. You can see it, but admitting you're not thinking for yourself, that's the hard part. 
It requires an uncommon degree of personal humility and or commitment to truth. The real truth. Not your adopted ideology. Not your doctrinal truth. Doctrinal truth. (laughs) Not truth according to your perspective or your perception. The truth. A tethering to facts. And when you do that, these sort of acts, they risk incurring the mob's backlash. You're going to be seen as a traitor. I have examples. I'll bet you there's a couple of you out there right now. A couple of my old liberal friends. I can't believe he's, he's talking this way about us. He, he's a traitor. Treason, treason, ideological treason and blasphemy. Get him, get him, string him up. Come get some. <laughs> and when that happens, banishment from the tribe. It sounds silly to fear zombie banishment, right? But uh, the fear is significant for most and runs directly back to the original thought at the beginning of this segment, the need to belong. People need to feel a part of something. And all this makes it quite hard to disconnect from comfortable, anti-intellectual momentum induced by membership in the zombified mob. I don't think I've mentioned it yet, but eventually I'll be getting to the self-deluding traits of what I call the Don Quixote Complex. Stay tuned for that. That's coming soon, too. I I, I say this, I promise you, with humility. may not sound that way, uh, but it would appear that I'm relatively remarkable in viciously protecting my intellectual autonomy. It took me a while. But knowing what it looks and sounds like, my own personal experience has afflicted me with hyper-awareness of the unbelievable number of people who remain obliviously unaware, or worse, unconcerned, that their minds have been hijacked by doctrine, dogma, ideological religion, the mob. (sighs) Now, I need to put out a warning here. Maybe this is self-apparent, but never, ever, ever, never tell any rhetorically regurgitating zombies they're not thinking autonomously, especially, this is so important, never, ever, ever do that in front of their mob. Don't do it. Well, fuck you, you patriarchal Trump bot. Look at my hairy pits. I'm a strong, progressive woman. (laughs) Can't you see I'm still wearing my I'm with her pin? How can you say I'm not an individual? I watch Rachel and John Oliver all the time. And look at my Prius. It's puke green for the environment. I send money to PETA in Greenpeace to you. No. Well, why do you hate animals in the environment? Fuck you, you white male breeder. Use my special pronoun. You filthy cocked misogynist. I need kale stat. <laughs> I hate hippies. I swear to God. <laughs> Oh, it's all right. There's some on the other side, too. You know, wake up, sheeple socialist. I'm a motherfucking patriot. We're going to take America back from you commie fascist libtards so Trump, Kid Rock, and Ted fucking Nugent can make America great again. Wang dang, sweet poon tang, motherfucker. Yeah, you're right. I did. I actually put more effort into Moonbeam's dialogue than Jethro's. Sorry. That must mean I'm not an equality ally, huh? It may be a good time to warn. Are there any stray hippies left here? There's turbulence ahead, bitches. Buckle up, snowflake. This may not be the place for you. Anyway, 
Uh, as with the internet, the only sure way of fully protecting yourself, aside from constant personal virus scans, is just cutting the cord. Another slightly less effective method, but one that's excellent for simply eliminating the cacophony of virtual zombie grunts and groans, is either blocking all incoming connections or designated trusted sites and individuals to be allowed through your personal little firewall. As for me, I tried it the first way, getting rid of everything, cutting the uh, proverbial cord as much as I could anyhow. And uh, now I'm sort of... Considering the fact that maybe Rich was right a few weeks ago on Unregimented when he suggested that, you know, it's early, we're just learning this internet stuff, it's less than 20 years old, maybe, just maybe, with time, the internet, and social media in particular, is redeemable. I'm not optimistic. Well, I've made an executive decision. It's still Tuesday. And uh, the State of the Union starts in about 50 or 48 minutes or 42 minutes. I'm like, I've decided I'm going to just wrap this one up and not even bother with it. I really like the contents of this thing. I like where it goes. I like the flow. And I don't want to defile it with Donald Trump talk. I mean, what can we possibly get from him tonight other than ridiculousness? What am I going to be able to offer other than, holy shit, he sounds like an idiot. Holy crap, he's full of shit. He's supposed to sound normal tonight. A little more unifying. Presidential. Donald Trump. <clears throat> yeah. The spectacle of the orange baboon. Addressing Congress on live national television giving the State of the Union speech. I can't bear it. It's an embarrassment. What is there to, to analyze? It'll be fun watching the news networks trying to analyze this pre-written spin and propaganda. I may do something on it tomorrow, <laughs> but now not today. On that note, thanks for listening. It's the Escaping the Cave podcast, formerly the Tudzilla X-Pod. We're at ChristopherMedia.net. You can also find uh, the Christopher Media Facebook page, Twitter account, all that good stuff. Give them a like, give them a follow. Make sure if you listen to this podcast on iTunes or wherever, give me a rating, man. If you like it, rate it. And I want to remind you one more time that there is no social media, no Twitter, no Facebook page. That's why you're not hearing anything. Follow me here. I don't do that. Talked about it in the first podcast of this is going to be successful, and it's going to find its, uh, find its way around, find an audience bigger than it already has, it's going to be because of you and because you went out and told people about it and shared it. And as I said before, if that doesn't happen, I'll take the hint, and I'll go back to doing what I was doing before, and I'll be okay with that. So, on the other hand, if you do like it, share it, let people know. And you know what? I can feel it. You're disappointed. You wanted more Tonzilla-isms. You wanted more of my insights on Mr. Trump. Especially on the night of his State of the Union. On this, the night of my State of the Union. That's fine. All right. I am nothing if not merciful. This is what I'll give you. I'll give you a repeat. A small repeat of the open that pretty much gives you 
the clearest and most accurate description of Donald Trump that I can think of. Pay attention to the end, my friends. You are the customer. So long. We'll talk to you soon. Everybody knows by now, all businessmen completely full of shit. Just the worst kind of low-life criminal cocksuckers you could ever want to run into. A fucking piece of shit businessman. And the proof of it is, the proof of it is, they don't even trust each other. They don't trust one another. When a businessman sits down to negotiate a deal, the first thing he does is to automatically assume that the other guy is a complete lying prick who's trying to fuck him out of his money. So he's got to do everything he can to fuck the other guy a little bit faster and a little bit harder. And he's got to do it with a big smile on his face. You know that big bullshit businessman smile? And if you're a customer, wow, that's when you get the really big smile. Customer always gets that really big smile as the businessman carefully positions himself directly behind the customer and unzips his pants and proceeds to service the account. I'm servicing this account. This customer needs service. Now you know what they mean. Now you know what they mean when they say, we specialize in customer service. <laughs> Whoever coined the phrase, let the buyer beware, was probably bleeding from the asshole. <laughs> but that's business. That's business.